Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side and the truth. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Uh, you bet you are. Uh, you bet I am. We're going to fight for those Australians who haven't got the time to go around and get on Twitter and wear T-shirts. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. G'day and welcome to The Curb. My name's Andrew Pearce and this is a podcast that's all about culture, unity, reviews and banter. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and pay respects to their elders both past, present and emerging. Um, over the past few weeks I've been able to talk to some very interesting people who I usually wouldn't be able to talk to. Uh, as you might have listened, I have previously spoken to Mayor Grant from America about the current situation in America right now. And I was also given the opportunity to talk to Dr. Harris, a person who provides clinical leadership for a company called WorkCare, which is going to be able to help companies adjust to a post-COVID-19 world. And I was given the opportunity to talk to him about what that means, what it looks like, and what it means for uh, practitioners and, and the entertainment industry and industries at large on how they're going to address social distancing, uh, contact tracing, that kind of thing going forward in a post-COVID-19 world. How do we stay safe in a pandemic world when there is no vaccine at this point in time? I found this discussion really fascinating and I was really uh, thankful to be able to talk to Dr. Harris about his work and what he is doing to help change the future of America and uh, by virtue of that, the future of the world at large with employing these kinds of practices in workplace environments. Enough of me, let's jump into the conversation with Dr. Harris and make sure to check out the website workcare.com to find out a bit more information about what they do. Meanwhile, I'm a study get fit. I've never had time for that. But the way I'm coming now, tell why we're in and that is dumb and fast. So let's go. I'm good, I'm good, I'm pretty good. Thanks for asking, that's money for I'm good, I'm good, but not great. How are you? Cause I'm Thank you very much for joining me to discuss the, the future, I guess, of uh, what is going to be going on in a post-COVID-19 world. Um, mm-hmm. For the listeners, can you uh, introduce yourself and explain what your role is as well? Sure. Uh, uh, Dr. Anthony Harris, um, I am the uh, Chief Innovation Officer and uh, Associate Medical Director for Onsite Operations for WorkCare. Uh, we're a full uh, end-to-end uh, occupational medicine uh, operation, been around for 30, 30 years plus. Uh, and we've been helping employers uh, protect the workforce. And uh, during COVID-19, I am the lead doc for COVID uh, in our group. Uh, we have about uh, 400 employees uh, nationwide in the U.S. Uh, and we do uh, outside U.S. Uh, operations as well. And, you know, really what we've been uh, focused in on during this COVID 
season, if you would, and hopefully it's a season, um, is uh, one of the best strategies, best practices to help uh, protect the workforce. And uh, we've been doing that since uh, February, actually, uh, starting with uh, um, IR thermography, infrared thermography, and obviously going through the um, screenings and digital platforms for health checks and the whole nine. So you name it, uh, we've probably done it and offered it. And uh, now we're in the season of testing, right? Uh, and so uh, we're, we're walking hand in hand with our employers to help them through this process. So I imagine that for a lot of people, there is a an expectation that something should be happening now. But as with all things medical, it takes a lot of time for discoveries to take place. What is it like being on the medical end of COVID-19 and uh, certainly dealing with employees and allaying fears of uh, making sure that they're all um, staying protected and and careful and all this kind of stuff? How is it for you uh, dealing with people uh, at this time? Yeah, you know, we found that in general in medicine, what works well to um, allay concerns um, regarding the unknowns is just education, right? Um, leaning on educating first and foremost those who are directly affected by COVID in terms of, you know, becoming infected, uh, and then uh, family members and uh, obviously community members. Uh, and then obviously we want to make sure that we have effective tools to communicate from employer to employees um, the, the, the practices that they have in place to help protect the workforce, particularly during this, uh, you know, reopening of the economies across the globe. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we're communicating, hey, this is what matters in terms of the basics, right, uh, of keeping the workplace safe. And then these are the additional things, additional steps we've taken, whether that be uh, health screenings for 100% of the workforce, whether that be on-site testing. Um, and that level of communication to uh, the employees has worked well to curb uh, the uh, anxieties that have uh, swelled, obviously, and appropriately um, because of uh, everything that it's been going on. So can you run me through what the, the plans would be for people returning to work? What kind of uh, process was, processes would go in place of what they would have to do when they arrive at their work day? Sure. So uh, just to give you an example of what we're doing, what we've been doing for well over two and a half, three months now with employers uh, is uh, you wake up in the morning and you log onto your uh, mobile device, your cell phone or your tablet or even your computer, uh, and you take about a minute and a half. That's about how long it takes to complete a health screen. And it it simply is uh, answering three questions. That's it. Uh, and those three questions are comprehensive enough in how we've put them together to help ascertain, are you clear to go to work? Or are you not clear? And uh, that has worked really well and we're well uh, into several hundred thousands, about a million people now have, have taken that type of screen uh, with the employee workforce that we support. Uh, and then uh, you're off to work and you show your uh, device uh, at the door. Uh, it shows a green screen and you're in, right? You're clear for work. Um, and those who uh, are screen, uh, get a red screen uh, aren't alarmed. They're commun- they get information saying, hey, look, uh, it just means we got to answer some more questions to make sure we're, we're safe to go to work. And uh, in the, in the um, event that they do have symptoms, that could be not just COVID, but could be a cold or the flu, right? We want to make sure that Uh, Those individuals are staying home as well and not sharing those uh, colds or flus with their counterparts at work. 
Uh, and then uh, the, the next step is, uh, in some cases, uh, as you walk through the doors, uh, before you walk through the doors at work, you're encountering the uh, temperature screeners, whether that be an automated one uh, with the IR camera or whether that be an individual standing there with a uh, handheld device. Uh, that's happening across the board in a lot of places. Uh, and then when you're at work, everyone is still practicing social distancing, uh, still cleaning their hands as much as possible uh, several times a day. Uh, the surfaces are being cleaned by the housekeeping staff uh, at, at, the, at the workplace. Uh, and, you know, a lot of places are looking at how do we put up physical barriers, meaning like, you know, plexiglass type barriers uh, in the cubicles and, and whatnot to um, kind of isolate individuals as they work as much as possible to keep them safe. And that's going to be the, the new norm uh, for some time, right, as we deal with COVID well into next year. And uh, from the clinical aspect of things in terms of how we're able to um, partner uh, on site, uh, we're able to offer then continual education around what's new, what are the new symptoms to look for, if any, um, and and wh where, where are we on the horizon of having a vaccine? So uh, that gives you kind of a sense of what the new norm looks like for the employees, for the, employ uh, for the patrons, let's say for the restaurants and the uh, retail stores that we help support. Uh, we've put in place uh, a process for patrons um, to affirm um, in, in the same way on the digital platform, their mobile device, um, that uh, they're healthy. They're not feeling any symptoms, and they affirm that on the device takes a couple minutes uh, before they show up and or at a kiosk before they enter the retail outfits. And uh, in some places in the U.S., that's actually being mandated um, by uh, city governments and, and county and state governments. So uh, it's a uh, process that shouldn't be onerous, uh, and we've made it simple to uh, allow our employers to effectuate that with their patrons. I've wondered as well with all of these uh, these protocols being put in place, do you see that they uh, are going to be temporary or do you think that they will be a permanent thing that becomes part of society as a whole? You know, uh, a, a small proportion of them will become permanent. Um, and we know that some of our employees are prepared for that. Um, for example, the infrared thermography cameras, um, they are being placed and permanently placed uh, at entrances to facilities uh, in anticipation of, uh, you know, God forbid, another pandemic years from now, right? Um, and so we know those activities are happening. Um, some of the other processes that will be permanent is the pandemic response for companies. Um, many of them had none prior to COVID-19. Uh, and so those 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 processes and procedures will be permanent. Uh, where, when we talk about the health checks, the screens, and, and and whatnot, most likely those will be temporary. Once we have a vaccine in place, once the herd immunity, which is uh, about sixty to seventy percent of the uh, general population, uh, will have immunity to. Uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2, uh, then most likely those process, th those activities will uh, uh, fall away uh, because they won't be needed for SARS at, at this point. I think it's, I mean, I, I mean, I've been impressed by how rapidly medical organizations around the world have adjusted. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm curious, um, I work at the Department of Health. That's my main job. Uh, I am a data person so I know all about data I deal with data on a daily basis and I love it it's great um, mm -hmm. so I get to see that that backside of everything and see get into the, the guts of how things work mm -hmm. but for everyone else you and I imagine a lot of your colleagues and everybody else has been planning for something like this for a long time what kind of 
preparation goes into the unexpected health events that occur like what we're currently in right now. How do you prepare yourself for this as a medical officer? Sure. So um, we're uniquely positioned in the field that I'm in. I'm I'm board certified uh, in occupational and environmental medicine. So our training is uh, very much an epidemiologic uh, training um, and an understanding of uh, how how pandemics arise and, and responsiveness to pandemics is part of our specialty, right? And so we've been particularly poised to to help our employers and our and our workforce and the community uh, for that matter um, because of that training. So and, and the preparation is just planning. Uh, you know, it, it, we there are special courses uh, you know uh, for various scenarios. Scenarios, not just the pandemic like we're seeing today, uh, but even for a, a more immediate threat. Uh, we call it HAZWOP uh, training, um, hazardous training uh, for and response training for medical professionals and those who are in health and uh, safety. And so, you know, those type of activities where it's an ongoing continuous learning process, education process uh, for clinical staff, for the community members who are responsible for health and wellness, uh, th- th- that's what wins the day in terms of being able to quickly respond uh, to events like we have with COVID-19. Uh, and then the future is going to look um, very much, you know, uh, the same in terms of, uh, well, it'll probably be amplified, right? We'll have more training programs. Um, people will realize the benefit of the training and the certifications and the preparedness uh, after COVID-19, at least for a decade, I would say, um, be, because, uh, you know, again, having somebody who is trained, who is prepared uh, is going to help these companies with their sustainability. And unfortunately, you, you know, we've seen businesses not fare well in terms of being able to continue to operate um, because they, they weren't prepared. Yeah. I mean, certainly the in Australia, at least, the, uh, the football is going to be starting back up and that's, uh, you know, Full body contact sport is uh, is is back on the field in in a way, um, and there's certainly uh, in regards to filming and things like that, uh, where a couple of Marvel films are being made in Australia. At, like during the pandemic, they were, they had to cease production. Um, that kind of thing where you need to have physical contact, the full body contact, and you can't have the um, the distancing. How do people? operate around that is it just continually you know making sure all right literally before we film this scene we're going to wash our hands or literally before i jump on the field i'm going to wash my hands as much as possible i imagine it's got to it's got to be hard for people in those situations how do how do they approach it yeah, we've actually helped. Uh, we're helping with production studios. We're helping with uh, sports uh, activities. You know, my niece plays uh, uh, Division One uh, softball for a major college, uh, Duke University in, in the U.S. And they're going back uh, next week, I believe. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're we're really um, uh, forward looking in terms of how we've helped our employers, and we've put together what we call a COVID surveillance program. Uh, and the surveillance program is designed to protect work, the workforce, uh, basically no matter the scenario, right? And it, it is different if you are, you know, a, a lone worker in, in a remote place, all right, in terms of limited contact versus a scenario like a studio, production studio, where it's inevitable that you're going to be in close quarters with others. Um, and it's rooted in that surveillance program then is rooted in um, beginning with getting a baseline on, on the workforce, right? Uh, understanding and when I mean baseline, I mean testing. 
uh, understanding have you had you know COVID asymptomatically perhaps even uh, in the past and we can see that with uh, antibody testing or you know obviously do you have active disease and we want to make sure that we prevent uh, transmission in that scenario or, or you know uh, have you uh, have no signs of having contracted COVID before and still are vulnerable in terms of or susceptible in terms of being able to contract and transmit and based upon also your risk of contracting meaning where you're geographically located and where the uh, what, what the level of local community spread is that would predict then your testing regimen uh, and we are doing that actively with uh, employers now where um, if you're a high valued uh, individual meaning you're in front of the camera on a production uh, then your testing regimen is going to be a little bit more rigorous um, than somebody who is behind the scenes and uh, it, not that anyone's replaceable but is uh, that individual may be a little bit more replaceable in terms of you know finding an alternative if they should fall ill as opposed to those who are in front of the camera. And so um, those type of stratified risk-based deployments of uh, screenings and testing uh, are all essential when we talk about protecting the workforce in whatever scenario they may be in. Yeah, I, I'm finding that aspect very fascinating. Um, we have a SOAP series here in Australia called Home and Away, which is uh, it's where a lot of our main Australian actors come from. Uh, you know, it's it's like neighbours, but kind of different if you've ever heard of neighbors but they're all they're both of them are doing um very isolated uh filming schedules and locking people down on sets and stuff like that and that's it they're just filming um those kinds of things nobody's able to leave uh they're doing that for two or three weeks is that going to be something that's going to be happening more like people in isolation doing filming and then going back out into the public to reduce uh interference, I guess. Sure. And we have seen a, um, a prevalence of that. Absolutely. And we've assisted even in that scenario. And, and uh, it's not just, you know, obviously the production uh, studios and uh, even, you know, with sports, but it's also with workers, the workforce, uh, of, let's say in the power distribution industry, uh, where, you know, workers will be quarantined for uh, a period of time while they're working. Um, they'll be limited or even prohibited from communicating with outside, the outside and, and by means of direct you know, uh, contact. Uh, and then once their shift, quote unquote, is finished in that period of time, then they're able to go back home, you know, uh, socialize. And then when they come back, then they undergo a, a, a rinse and repeat process of uh, whether it be testing or screening uh, to ensure that they're not ill before they're uh, quarantined with their counterparts again. Uh, and we do believe that will continue for sure uh, as we move forward, uh, because, at, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the three uh, most likely scenarios of COVID uh, is going to be a recrudescence of illness uh, in the fall, right? Uh, if, if it mirrors at all what Spanish flu did, uh, which presented in the spring, went away in the summer and came back with a vengeance uh, in the fall and actually was worse in the fall than it was the spring, uh, then we, we, we uh, know that we have to be prepared in the clinical community, but employers are also um, uh, uh, gearing up to be prepared for that scenario as well. Yeah. So how do you prepare for that mentally to know that there is, that might be coming down the line, that you've done all this work and there might be another instance? From my perspective, at least, I would hope that the more digital and um, I guess more, for want of a better term, more progressive uh, society that we're living in now as opposed to you know in the 1920s, um, things ideally should be better 
on paper at least, but that's not the reality, is it? It's, you know, unfortunately things aren't that great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, we, we, we learned lessons from 1918. Um, back then they ended social distancing too soon. Uh, they know it, that had an effect on the recrudescence of illness. Um, and, We've held off for arguably as long as possible, it seems, in terms of the economic impact uh, to the strong social distancing. Uh, and we'll see. It's yet to be seen in terms of how this will play out. Uh, no one truly knows, uh, but there are you know, several scenarios. One, one of them, you know, probably the most optimistic one, is that you know, the illness just continues to decrease in its incidence and prevalence uh, and, until we have a vaccine uh, in, in play as well. So it, it's not all, you know, uh, grim, if you would, in terms of the um, um, prospect of uh, how this plays out. But uh, we do need to be prepared for a scenario where uh, things do come back stronger uh, regarding uh, illness and transmission, um, because we want, at the end of the day, we want to save lives. That's it. You know, want to minimize the impact to that uh, uh, hopefully unlikely scenario. Yeah. Well, Dr. Harris, I've taken a lot of your time and I, I really appreciate it because this okay. is what the world that we're going through right now. And it's it's great to hear from somebody who is working to uh, make workplaces safer and better. And uh, it's great to hear from you and it's great to see these practices in place. Um, how are you holding up? That's the last question I want to ask. How are you holding up at this point? I hope you're going okay. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, you know, uh, medical training, uh, residencies, and I did a couple years of general surgery has prepared me well for the sleepless nights, right? Uh, sleep is optional during these times because uh, the goal is to uh, spread the word with regard to education, spread the word with regard to the, some of the tools and, and processes we're putting in place with employers. Um, and, you know, it's it, it, in, in a uh, weird kind of way, it's fun, right? It, it helps me uh, in regards to knowing that everything we've worked for up to this point in our profession as our specialty uh, is now being able to be leveraged to help save lives. And, and, and in that regard, it, from a professional standpoint, uh, it's very fulfilling uh, to be able to be helpful. Uh, but at the end of the day, we also want it to end as soon as possible as well. Uh, so we hope for the best, prepare for the worst, uh, keep positive. And uh, from a personal level, uh, you know, we have a little one uh, on the way. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And uh, so our, our family with our three-year-old daughter is uh, very enthusiastically expecting the fall. And so that's why we're working our, our tails off to make make sure the fall is as quiet as possible regarding COVID-19. So. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope for you as well. That, that, that's a great, uh, great thing to look forward to in your life in the, in the world. And, uh, and hopefully everything stays well for you as well, heading towards that. Um, is there a website or something that people can head to as well, that they can get more information from, from what you do and take a look at the, the work that you do as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Check us out at www.workcare.com. Also check us out the mo movement that we're um, trying to initiate here with uh, the public and, and the private, um, you know, interface with regard to retails and restaurants is called COVID clear zone, um, a, a process by which it's designed to keep everyone safe, both on the employee and the patron side. So check out covidclearzone.com uh, and uh, we'd love to uh, educate, educate and educate. Oh, fantastic. That's great to hear. And people can access like COVID clear zone is going to be accessible all around the world or is it just starting off in the US right now and then um, doing global stuff as well or? 
Yeah, so we're expanding uh, beyond the U.S. as we speak. Uh, so yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, if we have an opportunity to, to help in Australia, we'd love to, for sure. No, we would love it too. We need it. <laughs> well, well, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for your time. It, it, it really means a lot. Um, and I'm great to be, uh, be able to share your message to the world. I, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Not a problem. You have a safe day. All right, you too. Take care. Come little baby, shelter from the storm. We're going viral and the fire is warm. We're good little citizens sitting in the bunker just watching the boss fumble like my befuddled uncle does. We're rocking the lock-in self-intern. Watching videos of Jacinda Ardern. Shit, even the Kiwis aren't allowed outside. If you can't start a house party, start a house fire. Briggs for here. It was Dr. Anthony Harris all the way from America talking about COVID-19 and talking about what we can do to help uh, make businesses move a little better in this post-COVID-19 world. And I know that uh, certainly in Australia and New Zealand from this part of the world, uh, things are looking okay uh, in the sense that things are opening back up and businesses are starting to... uh, try and resume a normal life. Uh, Whether that's a smart idea or not, I'm not sure. We will find out soon. The main thing is, is that if you are in Australia and New Zealand and you are taking place and going outside and living life as per uh, normal, I guess, for want of a better term, things won't be normal going forward. Uh, If you are doing that, then make sure to wash your hands regularly, hand sanitize, stay socially distanced. If you can, wear a mask. And try and avoid public places with lots of people as much as possible. Uh, It's going to be hard, um, but to try and help stave off a second wave of infections, that needs to take place. Elsewhere in the world, if you look at America and the UK in particular, unfortunately things aren't going so great. Uh, We have leaders over there who did not employ the same kind of social distancing measures and isolation measures uh, as needed. And it kind of feels like they've just kind of gone, well, we're a little bit bored staying inside, Uh, let's go out again, which isn't the greatest thing ever. If you have the opportunity, please do stay inside in those countries, do stay safe. We want you to stay safe and look after each other and make sure that you don't get COVID-19. It's a horrible, horrible thing to get. Uh, What it does to your body is is tragic. It really is. And people will die. Uh, We don't know what the lasting effects are if you do have COVID-19 and you recover from it. We don't know what that's going to be. So we all have to look out for one another. But with the understanding that this world will force us back out into work, will force us back out into uh, social situations. We need to take measures for ourselves, which again, washing hands, social distancing, wearing masks, that kind of thing. And then as Dr. Harris has talked about, they're ensuring that if we are in a business that is needing to work with a lot of people, to find out how best to employ social distancing measures in your workplace. 
uh, WorkCare, the company that he works for, uh, has some ideas, has some some uh, concepts in place that will certainly help out. And uh, I do recommend heading over to the website WorkCare.com to find out more information. Um, but also, if you are concerned at your workplace about what the social distancing measures are going to be and what uh, the COVID-19 protocols are going to be going forward, then please speak to your HR, speak to your manager, uh, speak to your colleagues as well and encourage them to voice concern too. And together you can put in social distancing measures and ensure that you and your colleagues are looked after properly. And that might mean suggesting that on alternate days, people work from home and some people go into the office or vice versa. That kind of thing can certainly help. Uh, I mean, we've seen the proliferation of Zoom calls and Microsoft Team calls and Google Hangouts and stuff like that, which makes converse, com- conversations with people just that little bit easier and it makes working with people that little bit easier. We can share screens, we can easily share documents and things like that. It's not hard. And I guess it's up to us, the people who work for companies, the people who work for organizations or the government, to ensure that a safer future takes place. We need to push for it ourselves. And that's really important. It really is because uh, we don't want to get complacent and we don't want to encourage governments to get complacent. And we don't want places around the world to feel like it can just go back to normal. We need to have a new, better, brighter future. And there are people currently protesting out there in the world uh, for that better, brighter future for black people around the world. Black Lives Matter, of course. I went to a protest here in Perth just yesterday and there were social distancing measures, measures in place. A lot of people were wearing masks. It was a really, really positive rally and protest for Black Lives Matter in Australia and in America too in uh respect and uh, you know condolences for those black people in America who have lost their lives and the indigenous Australians here in Australia who have lost their lives too. It was a really beautiful protest. So yeah, if you are attending protests, obviously take care. Uh, reach out for help if you need to. There is uh, Twitter is a fantastic place for that kind of community to uh, be supported and to look out for places where you can actually donate money and stuff like that. But what I'm trying to get at here is that with all these protests taking place, we need to continue to push for the changes to take place. There has been some announcements that, uh, you know, police uh, around America are being defunded, but they're just announcements. We need to make sure that that actually does follow through. I say that uh, because COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement and all the protests taking place, this is all part of a major global upheaval and a global change that needs to take place. And, And yes, there are still other issues around the world massive inequality uh we're right in the midst of pride month right now and that needs to you know there are so many lgbtiq uh you know issues and um rights being stripped away from people in the lgbtiq community it's horrible we need to ensure that that doesn't happen and then of course there's global warming 
Climate change is still a thing. All of this is still taking place and climate change is still a thing. And people in Queensland and New South Wales and Victoria who have been affected by the bushfires over there at the beginning of the year still don't have homes. All of this is taking place and we really need to push for change. Write to your local member. Sign petitions. Be vocal about it online. If you can, financially support the... uh, fundraisers and the goals that are out there to help these changes take place look i've ranted a little bit there there was a small soapbox moment uh i didn't mean to steal the the sunshine from dr harris there from his great discussion i've really uh, touched to be able to talk to him and to be able to talk to these people who are making changes take place in america for the better for the people of america and ideally the people of the world Uh, If you know of anybody who uh, could possibly add to this discussion or that you want uh, to hear on this particular podcast or this website, then please get them to get in touch with me. My email is andrew at thecurb.com.au. I really appreciate that. Um, I do apologize for the tip tapping in the background there. I usually would edit this out, but the back noise is there. Unfortunately, I have three dogs who do like to make their presence known in the podcast every so often. Apologies for that. It just shows that there is one man team behind this particular thing, and it's uh, I'm just a person uh, running this. Um, but there are other writers on the website as well, which is why I encourage you to head over to the website, thecurb.com.au. Follow us on social media, the Curb AU, on both Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to go the extra mile and get access to these interviews uh, as they come up, then you can head over to patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash the curb AU. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you help keep the site independent and join a bunch of other great people keeping the site independent. It means a lot. Look, taken up a lot of your time in your ears and I hope that you're staying safe and sound and keeping social distancing measures going okay. Uh, That's not really a sentence, but nonetheless, that's what I said. I hope you're safe. I hope you're looking after each other. Black lives matter. Stay positive, people. We will get through this and a new world will come ahead. If worst comes to worst, the people come first. Yeah, but I'm gonna need a purse for the megatrend. You ain't fit, we don't get near a penny worth. You ain't fit, the leadership is getting plenty worth. Went to hit the store and everything had been bored. They quarantined us all, so we're sitting indoors. And if they're getting on board, I'm pulling this rip cord and ditching this concord and splitting like John Ford. I'm real nice, like, and it's not like I missed this nightlife. We're all good. Yeah, it's all right. If we can't start a house party, start a house fire. But you're cool. Yeah, you're all right. But I'm kind of sick and tired of being inside. We're all good. Yeah, we're all smart. If we can't start a house party, start a house fire. Come, little baby, shelter from the storm. We're coughing up lungs and the kettle's on. We already burned the world outside. If we can't start a house party, start a house fire. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details. 
Something grand is coming to Nemecolon. Opening fall 2023, the Grand Lodge will surprise and delight with 56 stunning suites and five-star butler services. Indulge in libations at the Circle Bar and the Study before you savor the new and enchanting Fawn and Fable Restaurant, where the best parts of a traditional steakhouse and a fairy tale castle create a magical dining experience. With fine dining, a spa, and over 100 adventure, golf, art, and wildlife experiences, whatever your imagination holds, Nemecolon has the key. Visit nemecolon.com for more information.